Hello, everyone. Welcome to Astro Gaming, a podcast where we collect, catalog, and discuss the good and bad qualities of the games we find in, you guessed it, the game space. I am Nick Blackley. I'm Jacob Smith. I'm Mitchell Smith. And I'm Joe Benazzotti. Woo! We did it! <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we've created an intro. We, we've listened right, to your a... feedback, right. and we have acted accordingly. Yes. This is the part where we don't start talking about the game for, I don't know, 20 minutes? 20 minutes? Right? Sounds about right. <laughs> Look, so we've already been here for 29 minutes. skip button, ladies and gentlemen. Just like you do if we had any ads. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> or like you did when we had fake ads. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you mean everyone didn't love those? I miss them. Do you? I don't. If we ever had a good idea, we could do an ad again and try to snack up some of Mr. Nintendo's space bucks. Lord Nintendo. Uh, Lord whatever. King Nintendo. King Nin- King Koopa, actually. Lord Nintendo in the game space. Nintendude. Nintendogs. Nintendogs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they, okay, wait. Let's okay. Here's a good diversion. <laughs> so we were in the basement at my parents' house. And we were looking at unit? DS games, and of the big unit. No, it's my parents' house, the small unit. And we were in the basement <laughs> of the small unit, and we were looking at our old 3DS games that had been downloaded from the game space. And they, we were looking at the Nintendogs ones, and there's like what? The I think there's like there's three of them. There's like Labs. Chihuahuas and like what? Dachshunds. Dachshunds. It's yeah, like, why Dachshunds. did you pick those three? There's so many different kinds of dogs, and you pick Chihuahuas and Dachshunds. Like, they're fine dogs. They're fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. Mm-hmm. But we have robot dogs here in the future. I mean, come on. There's the flying radioactive dog. There's the dog with the robot boots. Like, why would you pick those? Yeah. It's just, it boggles the mind. Back in the day, I had a nuclear-powered one. We had to put them down. My, well, that must have been a disaster. Well, yep. See, because he's nuclear-powered. There's a there's a reason I don't go home anymore. Because <sighs> it's been exploded. Is that a joke in poor taste? I don't, you know. Is it? Has there been a nuclear uh, accident lately? Yeah, well, gosh, this would... That would be one heck of a foot in a mouth if a, a nuclear accident happened right after we released this podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> mm, it would be a little bit of a chop suey moment. FBI open up. <laughs> What's the FBI in the future in space? Uh, space FBI. <laughs> the SFBI. Why? All right, I guess we're not being super creative. So this week we are talking about uh, Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire. Yeah, so, okay, here was the situation. We were flying around the game space per usual. We had no idea where we were going per usual. And we found a giant-ass spire. Not usual. And uh, at the top, there was... One, a big beating heart, and two, the game that we're playing. It, the weird thing is, is that I felt like I had been there before. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It was weird. Um, there was a lot of scars and things on the heart as well. So 
But we woke up back on this ship, uh, and there was a whale kind of floating around outside. Yeah, just a space whale. Yeah. So then we went on our way. Yeah. And we played this game for a a lot of time. At least I have. Space Moby Dick. (laughs) I've been playing Slay the Spire like crazy. This game is so much fun. Space Monstro. That one's from Pinocchio. Oh, I was going to say Binding of Isaac. (laughs) Oh, that's... I don't know what that is, because that hasn't popped out of the game space yet. (laughs) Well, that's unfortunate, because I definitely plan on talking about that game today, too. Well, we've only referenced it about 50 times, Mm -hmm. so... It's kind of our gold standard of referenced game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess, probably. Yeah. Um, Anyways... Slay the Spire is what is this game? It is it's a deck a, game. It's a wait. What's the name of this type of game? It's like Dominion, Rogue-like which is a board deck game. Building. Yep. Deck, deck building. building. Yeah, like yeah. roguelike deck building. I think is a pretty good uh-huh. single line summary of what it is. There's a lot to it, though. Yeah, it and I like roguelikes and I like deck building games. So this game, right up my alley. Yeah, I would say that uh, deck builders are a pretty core part of our group. Um, we've we've played hours and hours and hours, almost decades of uh, Dominion, the board game, and mm-hmm. just oh, such a good game. So this is a very natural extension of that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just I don't even know where to begin. Okay, let's start at the beginning. So, can we get a lore that... rundown, uh, lore. Mitchell? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because of my counter podcast, Learn to Lore. Um, I don't know anything about the lore in this game. It is kind of interesting though, because so you you're one of these people who are trying to uh, get to the top of the spire, and there's like there's a couple of threads I've noticed. There's those bird people. Yeah, bird people and the that cult. is like very prevalent some sort of cult yeah there's some demons um and there's like ancient relics so it's obvious that they put some thought into like it's not just like generic enemies there is very clearly some sort of like there it's supposed to mean something but i don't actually know what it is i i would consider that almost like an aesthetic though there's really not think? any lore backing this game is like zero percent. Well, I would argue opinion. that the spire is so tall that only birds could live in it because they would have to fly up there. Wow, There's that sounds stairs. like a dumb argument. Um, That's lore. Oh, I could read all about their development in here. Um, oh, this is interesting. So, just one quick thing because it is we did a podcast on FTL. Apparently, the so as you go through the spire you pick a path to go through and the branching system was inspired by ftl's okay uh, system of going between the uh ftl beacons that makes um, sense which kind of makes sense makes a lot of sense so i guess we can quickly just run through what happens in the game so you first you pick a character there are now four characters there were three but there was a recent update to have four Uh um they all have different the different set of cards that they can use a la hearthstone yes i guess it's true um and hearthstone 
We'll get. We'll we'll figure that out someday. Are you mocking oh, yourself boy. asking a question? <laughs> <laughs> Look, when you're in space for this long, there's not a whole lot to do. You, we just picked you off a planet like a month ago. I'm not used to it. What can I say? It's the not my fault. That it's killing me. For two you, weeks, I just miss, stand like this. Do you miss Fuzzle Nuts? Yeah. What do you miss back? most specifically? Oh, <laughs> I miss Casey, the mechanic. You know, we were best buds, and we'd go traipsing through the city. You do what? Which traips? Traips. Okay. Oh, it was the city of uh, Bendel Bob. <laughs> <laughs> One day, I want to do a. Like an anthropological study on the uh, just the names. Yeah, Fuzzle Nuts has such just a, a rich depth <laughs> mm-hmm. to its language and culture that yes, it, really, it's the depth of the language that I miss. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the most. Oh man, oh, boy. Uh, so you pick the character. <laughs> <laughs> is that as far as we've gone? That's as far as we got. It's been yeah. forty minutes. Um, um, we. I'm going. Shut up. Okay. okay. So you pick the character. They're all. They all have different cards, but they all start off with basically the same deck, which is a bunch of attacks, which are strikes, defense, which add block. We can kind of talk about that, and then like two cards that are special for their class, and over time you accrue more. Um, so what happens is you always start off in a battle. In a battle, you fight until you kill everything, and then you go to the map. Or you die. Map, or you die, thank you. Um, so once, so you actually get to pick which path you're on first, but you, there is always a battle, and then after that, you choose the next path on the branch, which may be, it's either one place to go to or two places to go to. Um, and it can be battles... Normal battles, question marks, which can be a bunch of different random events, shops where you can buy stuff, mini bosses, rest sites, rest sites, treasure rooms, and the final boss. Wow, that's a lot more than I thought. Are you sure there's a? Let's do a quick whacker knack for the the different types of spots. Oh no! Let's do a whacker knack for every card in the game. Oh, sure. Maybe that'll be a Strikes, bonus episode. Whacker neck. I'll tell you Whack. what. Whack. If we get a sponsor, we'll do a whacker neck for every card in the game. How about that? That's a stretch yeah, goal. That's what everyone Come wants on. to hear. Look at you, Coke Gaming. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know you're listening. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's. And then you basically just go up the path, and then the goal is to beat the bosses of the th- three acts, and then you get to the heart at the end. Uh, yeah, that's a basic. I mean, there's a lot more to the fighting aspect of the game, mm-hmm. but the rest that's not of the fighting. Of... That's kind of the core of the game. Oh yeah. Um, it's so basically you enter a battle and there's somewhere between like I would say one and a max of five, five or six, or six yeah. enemies. Sounds about right. Usually less than that six. though. It's usually and five each, or four max. Each turn you're given a mana pool. Um, your mana pool increases usually the more you play, uh, the longer your run has gone on for. And it, each card has a, a mana value that is required to play the card. Um, it's This so is typically... unbelievably similar to Hearthstone in its structure of you've got, like, three mana usually. There are few ways that you can increase the mana pool. They oftentimes have caveats or trade-offs. 
and then you yes. well, but play I think cards that have cost. The main yeah. difference is that Hearthstone, you, you scale away up to 10 every battle, right? Yeah, typically. you increase over time. In this, you do not. Yeah, yes. This way, in this game, you get more mana from your cards. Your deck is a thing that'll let you do more stuff most of the time. Yeah. But you can also so basically, get... each turn, you're playing cards that either deal damage to the enemy, apply some status effect, or give you block, or give you some kind of status effect. At the same time, you can see what the enemies want to do to you, which is either debuff you, buff themselves, block, or attack you. I think that's it. Yeah. Um, so you're playing the, the cards you choose to play are usually based on what the enemy's intending to do. Um, for instance, if they're going to attack you for 10 damage, you might play two blocks that each block five damage and take no damage that turn. So. Mm hmm. It's very uh, simple. Basics. It's a very simple game, but simple games oftentimes lead to very complex situations. Well, yeah, so I think the there's a couple things to make the combat more complicated, which is obviously the cards that you get, and you also get relics as you go through the game, which add significant. They're base a almost all of them are good, and they kind of at least when I play that kind of defines the kind of run that I'm going to try to do because if you get specific relics, like certain relics early on, it's like, well, I want to work with this because it works really well with certain gameplay mechanics. Um, yeah, so like for the Silent, she can get cards that create these shivs and shivs cost no mana to use. So if you get relics that give you power-ups when you play more cards, the shiv build is really, really good with her because it'll be like every time you play three cards, do get a dexterity, which is a thing that helps you, or get strength. And so that's really, really good. But if you don't get those relics, it might not be worth doing a shiv build with this. Si is she the silent or the hunter? The silent. Because the silent. Silent. they have like multiple names for them. So it's a roguelike, and there's two ways of progressing what your character is from, you know, when you first start out as a baby to when you're. An endgame sure. juggernaut is uh, in improving your deck and getting better cards and upgrading the cards you have, and by getting relics, which improve kind of your base character, but not necessarily your cards. And right. as you fight bosses and enemies, you'll get money to buy better cards, to buy better relics, and they'll also just drop cards and relics. So that's kind of the overall progression of the game as you're going through it from a your character in that run perspective. Now, as you play, you're also learning oh, these guys gain strength every turn. Strength help increases the amount of damage they do. So I need to kill them early on. Whereas these guys hurt a lot, but only after like five turns. So I can wait to kill them until later. So as you're learning the mechanics of the enemies and the in improving your cards and improving the relics, that's kind of how the roguelike aspect of the game ties in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I think that's pretty good for background, yeah? I think that's plenty. It's a good overview, right? Yeah. The... Do we talk about elites? No. I mean, I mean just more, like, more difficult they're just, yeah. encounters that also drop relics. relics. Mm -hmm. Which are often, if you think you're strong enough, you would go for them because you want to build out your relics to improve your build. Yeah, relics are super, um, super important. Um, Yeah. I wanted to ask you guys 
Uh, we're not going to do a whack or knack. I just wanted to simply ask what your whack. favorite character is. Whack. What your favorite character is. I like the silent the most. Okay. Easy. She is... I like the... She's like a good mix of defense and offense. I usually don't go the poison build, even though poison can be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I think that the shiv build is like... It's very satisfying to me to just whip out 50 shivs in one turn <laughs> and do like 80 damage mm-hmm. especially if you get some of those cards that modify your shiv damage some of those powers that uh, modify yeah. your shiv damage accuracy it gets real gnarly real quick there's so. also that relic that increases damage of zero cost attacks yeah the boot which gets it to five that one um yeah and there so i think the shiv this is not talking about which character i like but i think the shiv build is really good and better than the poison build poison does damage every turn but there are so many relics that work well with playing multiple cards that the poison build just doesn't seem as good to me because you need to if you're playing 20 shivs a turn you get like two strength two dexterity do five damage to all enemies get a couple extra block blah 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 and like if you do poison it's like you play one thing of poison and that's your turn and yeah, you don't I get any benefits like any deck building game card draw is almost a resource on its own just yeah. the amount of cards you, cards you can cycle through in one turn and she can get a lot of card draw very quickly with things like backflip where you get block and draw two cards or some of her cards let you cycle one card um so when you have a small deck of good cards you can basically just go through your entire deck in like two turns mm-hmm. and wreck some havoc mm. cool Cool. I would agree in that the silent I think is my favorite. Or no, the silent is my most successful character, so I've had the most luck beating the end game guys with the silent. But I think the defect is the most interesting for me to play. Because the defect kind of changes the paradigm, and I haven't actually played the fourth character, so I can't speak on that one. Yeah. But the defect changes the paradigm a bit between the first two characters being the ironclad and the silent, work on attacking and blocking pretty much straightforward but the defect works on summoning orbs which at the end of the turn do special effects and so those can your focus is suddenly on getting better orbs and upgrading your orbs as opposed to uh straight up attacking the enemy my favorite uh character would probably i it it babbles Seamless. back and forth between the defect and... Babbles back and forth? Yeah, it babbles it... or bobbles. Uh, sure. Oh, I thought not... it travels. It doesn't bibble? Either one. It diddles between uh, the defect and the silent. Um, I like the... Like, the silent is like a classic rogue kind of archetype of, like, you're just stabbing a lot and there's a lot of... Uh, um, card draw and like kind of turnover so that archetype i like a lot i liked doing that in hearthstone but the uh defect of like the orbs and like all kinds of craziness is super fun as well uh so Mm. i think that i would tend towards the defect as my more favorite but you know i do enjoy the silent a lot okay mitchell um so I like the silent and the defect as well, but my favorite is actually the new character, the Watcher. Mm. When I first started playing this game, I played the silent. Good night. Yeah. I'll see you later.
Tell her you love her. God love you. Don't be Jobin. passive aggressive about it. Jobin, <laughs> Jobin said that. <laughs> Jobin said that. <laughs> Not coming from me. You caught coming me in the middle. Now I don't even remember what I was saying. Just start oh, over. Just start the over. The Watcher. I love the I, Watcher. I like I like the silent defect, when but the Watcher is my the favorite. My favorite. When I first the played, Watcher's OP. That's why I like the Watcher. When I first played the the game and I played the silent, <laughs> the silent was the first character that I won with, but it took me a really long time and i remember like talking to jobin about it. jobin's like oh yeah i think i took it it took like five times for me to win or whatever i'm like no no no, no it's me... taken me like 50 times to win and then with the watcher i think i beat it in like three tries because there's just something about so the way that she works is she has stances uh really just normal which is nothing calm which doesn't do anything by itself but when you exit calm you get two mana back and wrath which doubles your damage that you give and take so it's all about like you go into wrath to do damage and then go back into calm but if you go from like calm into wrath you get more mana back so if you have like the right powers and the right card draw you can go through so many like iterations of calm and wrath and calm and wrath in the same turn and just do tons of damage because it's just like okay now that i've i've I'm getting out of calm, wrath, I like attack one time and I go back into calm and then I go back into wrath. So, and I, I f just, I figured it, I like just figured it out. Like it yeah. just happened without me having to think about it. I definitely um, feel like there are certain play styles of these characters that like resonate with certain people because uh, my brother who's played this game a lot, he actually, his favorite character is the Ironclad. Mm -hmm. um, and he just loves the whirlwind build, which happens to also be the build for uh, like speedrunners who do play the game. They go whirlwind build. Um, so, what is the whirlwind build? Uh, so, whirlwind is the card that does like ten damage per X. Uh, X is like it drains your whole mana pool, um, and it does yeah. the effect per mana. So, I don't know how the build works exactly if you're speedrunning it, but that's the build that he likes to go maybe so we haven't really talked about all the different mechanics there's strength which increases the damage you do dexterity which increases the block that you get maybe you can just like increase the ironclad a lot a lot of his cards are focused around like increasing damage yeah that you deal so maybe it's something where like you increase your strength by three and then whirlwind and you kill everything in one hit or something it's like that certainly very possible um, probably something like i that. will say i think the ironclad may be in my opinion the least interesting character but they are also the character with the best sound effects mm, when you when you play yes. that what is it heavy blade the thwack it makes like mm -hmm. the, <laughs> oh man that's oh that's good it really that's sounds like, like a right guy there. punching a piece of meat you know <laughs> Yeah, that's my favorite sound. Um, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, I want to go back. I want to talk about the silent because you guys said the shiv build is better than the poison build. I don't know if I said better. You did I say better. I I'm gonna like throw it. you under the bus. You said better. I disagree. Okay. I think the poison build is actually very, 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 very good. I think it's a very. I think it's harder to pull off. I think it might. I really? think it might be. Yes. I'll I think tell the poison you. build is more dependent on cards, specific cards. Hmm. I think if you get the Sneko thing, it's easier. I think if you get Envenom, it's good, but it's still not great. There's one either card... Corpse Explosion is super good. 
but I guess that's not really poison build. But there's one. I would say that is kind of relic. There's well, a... the one that triples your poison. Is that in Venom? No, in no, Venom is the catalyst. one where yeah, Catalyst doubles or triples if you upgrade. Um, and then the card in Venom it it stacks more poison if you do unblocked damage. The one that I thought oh, made right. it the thing that was super good was there was one that was like if you kill an enemy that has poison it moves the poison to another random enemy ah. and if you could get that early i would go all in on poison because poison then is it doesn't matter who the problem with poison is the things that apply the most poison like the flat i use the flask right so the flask bounces around but it doesn't hit the same enemy, and yeah. then if it hits the same enemy, it kills the enemy, and then you're not poisoning anything else. But with this, that poison stays in the game, so yeah. you can just drop a bunch of poison, and then as soon as one thing dies, basically everything dies. I um, go ahead, Joe. That was my opinion. What's up? Did you have something to say? Yeah, I was gonna say that I think both are good. I think the game is actually pretty balanced, mm-hmm. and I think the game does get somewhat regular updates. And I think that I have one with both builds focusing on poison and builds focusing on uh, shivs. Mm-hmm. And I think they actually complement each other. And I don't think that is necessarily in my head. Like, a, a, I, was, I would never only go down shiv builds or only go down poison build because there's just so many high value cards that do some poison or some shiv that I generally have both in my deck. So this is uh, actually actually a very good segue into like theoretically how do you guys craft your builds like for me i actually do spec very hard into like if i'm getting a lot of poison cards i will start to tend away from the other sort of you know like shivs or whatever um if i'm going poison i start picking up a ton of block and a ton of poison and that's it uh so like I, mean, I, I think I don't know if you guys like have like a mental tier list or an actual tier list that you look at like when you're going through and you just pick up high value cards or. I mean, That's there's definitely what I a tier list. The... Yeah, I'm sure. I know the tier list exists mm-hmm. out there. Well, I mean, in my head, I have a oh, tier list. Yeah. yeah, but I definitely, especially for the first, there's like three acts. I don't know what they actually call them. Yeah. For the first act, I definitely just look for high value cards that can get me over the hump, and then once I see. If I have a good combination of, uh, what's it called? A good combination of relics and cards so far, then I'll start trending into one build more than another. Okay. That's, but, I was going to say, yeah. I think that's kind of the way I, like I would, when I say shiv build, I mean, I've gotten a lot of shiv cards mm-hmm. because that works with the relics and the cards that I've got. But if you're not getting any shiv cards, it's, you're not going to win the run. So you like? I mean, I'd take a good, I'd take a good poison card if I got a good poison card for right. sure. Yeah. If you're going and then if there's a lot of them, will make a lot more sense than you know, yeah, a shift card. Yeah, that, I think I, it comes down to the number of choices for each game mechanic you have, right? So by default, you typically have three choices for cards, mm-hmm. so they can be much more flexible. Whereas relics, you may only come across two or three relics per act. Or maybe four if you're like going out of your way to kill elites and stuff. So typically my builds trend to be more dependent on the relics I get, as we mentioned before, than vice versa. Like I'm not picking I'm not picking relics around my cards, I'm picking cards around my relics. Because there's more options for me to build around my relics hmm, than vice versa. Yeah. I, I mean I'd agree with Jacob. I think that's definitely how I go. 
but it really is a lot of it comes down to that first act like Joven said like you you just need the setup and from there you can kind of see what's going to happen and i think that's that's true with pretty much every like when i play the defect it's like am i getting more ice or lightning cards and like there are a couple ice cards that are super good but i've also done runs where i have very few i i think i'd like for me in this game for everyone except for the ironclad block is king right yeah. like you need to just not get hit mm-hmm. and so like for the defect i like getting ice cards because when you uh, invoke we haven't talked about the defect at all but when you invoke his orbs of ice you get lots of blocks so i'm like i'd rather live the t- live through the turn without taking any damage than deal a little bit of damage and then take damage because well, healing in this game is tough I have a question for the people who like the defect a lot because I've only played the defect like probably five or six times and won with them once. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got the hang of like how to structure a build and kind of win with it. But are there specific builds in the same way that the silent has like a a poison versus shiv build? Because mm-hmm. to me the defect it feels like just get some mix of lightning and frost. And then a way to like cycle through your orbs and you kind of just win. At least, like, I didn't really feel like I had a distinct strategy. Yeah. So, at least for me, it does feel like the defect has uh, a number of synergies that it can do. Uh, most commonly, what I've tried to do is a lightning build and then the frost build. Uh, so, you just like stack up a ton of lightning and then there's that one card that does like a bajillion damage per lightning orb invoked that whole combat. That one's pretty strong. In general, well, there's also electrodynamics, which makes lightning hit all oh, enemies. Yeah, that, that card. card's very good. Yeah. But there's also like builds where that I haven't actually explored yet, um, where there's cards that give you things based on how many different orbs you have invoked. So there's like the rainbow build. Oh, interesting. Um, there, I would say that like I think lightning and and uh, frost are the most straightforward, but it seems like there's other ones too that you can go into. It, and I would actually even say, I think that's how they probably built their characters out, is, like, they have two kind of main directions that are really, really obvious, and then there's kind of, like, sub-builds. Like, for the Silent, there is uh, Poison and Shiv. For the Defect, there's Frost and Lightning. And then for the Ironclad, there's, like, the Self-Harm and... uh just like the straightforward like block yeah like big block like the barricade one of you guys mentioned that blocks important except for the ironclad what did you what did you mean by that well what i meant was there's i think there is a build in ironclad that is very focused on just like doing 50 damage in one turn and not like not that block isn't important but it's kind of like what nick just said where it's like you take some damage to draw a card. You take some damage to increase your strength. You take some damage to do whatever. And then it's like, and now I play, you know, three big cards and kill and do like 100 damage in a turn. Not that I know you and I won with the Ironclad using the block strategy because he has several things that allow you to keep block yeah. between turns and stuff like that. Yeah. But I guess that's what I meant is just that, like, I think that there are builds with him that really don't. I think that the silent really depends on it. On block? On block. Yeah. In yeah. both of her builds. I, uh, yeah. I, I think in general. So the, here's the thing that I read the Ironclad is the only character that has a healing relic. 
So he doesn't have to care as much about block because oh, yeah. he just needs to take less. If he takes less than six damage a fight, he's okay. Yeah. But everyone else, that six damage, you're, you might have to rest to heal, which is a waste of a smithing. Mm-hmm. This is something we didn't talk about. At rest sites, you can either heal damage you've taken or upgrade a card. Um, so taking damage means you can't upgrade a card in the future. So anyways, that's just the reason why I said that, Jobin. I, I don't... I'm not an expert at the Ironclad. No, I mean neither am I, and I, I bet. The and thing it you shows. Read was, <laughs> okay, buddy. I bet the thing you read was more detailed by people who pl- played the game more than I have. So I was yeah. curious what you meant by it. Okay. Well, yeah. Thanks for letting me show off. I will now I'm the cool also kid. say for you listeners, there are so many mechanics in this game. Um, like the fundamentals are very simple, but there's like a billion keywords. And every time there's a keyword on screen, it also shows you the definition. Um, if you mm. just hover over the card, I could not like just l- rattle off all of these like mechanics. So I, I didn't think there were that many. I thought there were like 10 or 20. 20 is a lot to me. It's, but it's like there's like they're all like status effects that I can just like hover over the enemy and see what it does. Well, like, it, that's, weak, that's exactly exposed, my point is that you can hover poisoned, over it. And that's like, yeah, I mean. So I think that, you know, we're at this point pretty familiar with the game. So if we kind of glance over it and you were, I'm sorry. Well, I can count to 30, which is bigger than 20. So 20 is pretty small. <laughs> well, you said like a billion. And like there are games that actually have like hundreds of a mechanics. So for like, I didn't personally, I didn't think the number of like status effects and stuff were overwhelming. My personal I think experience. That- I think the thing that makes it a little easier is that because they're all like local uh, so the enemies have one set and there are some things that are shared between each of the characters but a lot of the mechanics are character specific so it's like if you're playing the ironclad a lot like or whoever silent is the only person that gets poisoned and things like that like you figure it out pretty quick because it's like you do two runs and you've seen all of the status effects or -hmm. something like that but I wanted to say the fact that they it pops up and explains all this stuff, they do such a good job. Like oh, I was yeah. able to understand all the mechanics the first time they showed it to me. And maybe and like, maybe that's part of it. It's just that it was explained quickly enough to me where I didn't have to like worry about keeping this like mental bank of it because I could just like refer back yeah. to it. Oh yeah. I'm sure that helped a lot. Yeah. It lets you focus so much on on gameplay versus uh or you know like the order in which you're like your cards and like actually playing the game versus like kind of the minutia of like oh well what does this do and thinking about it uh all that stuff um also the game doesn't have any timer well it like it times you but it doesn't have like a time limit right mm-hmm. i don't and as far as i know there's no relics that even implement like a time element into it well, it's but, turn-based. Well, sure, but I mean, like, you can sit on so that turn. So is FTL, technically. You can sit on the turn for as long as you want, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like chess. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, there's speed chess. Right, but it's like, you know, in Hearthstone or other oh, similar do online ch- card games, there's, like, you're okay. on a time crunch. Like, you can't sit there and think out your turn for as long as you want. Um, to be fair, in Hearthstone, you're playing against another person, yeah. so infinite delay would be not great not great i rope every turn just to you know assert my dominance mm. you roper you dirty roper is that what that i was like what is this guy saying i get it yeah uh, uh well you know another thing that i think is interesting about this game 
bringing up letting you think like if you really want to meta game it you can see all the cards that you've already played and you can see all the cards that are left in your deck so you can be like well you, you can think through almost every possibility because you through to the like the next time the deck is shuffled right because you're like a, yeah i'm just saying you know there could be eight more cards so it's like okay i'm gonna get these ones and then some of these and then so i know what i'm gonna get in the next two turns I was going to say that there's also a relic that tells you the order. Yeah, when you check out your true. draw pile, it'll, it'll tell you which in which order you're going to draw them, which I never got since I never really looked at the draw pile anyway. Yeah. But for those who wanted to min-max and metagame it to the extreme, knowing exactly which cards you're going to get in the next turn is pretty crazy. So it's cool that they have that option. The Watcher has the scry mechanic, oh, which yeah. lets you see... I'd never use it. Scry is a keyword from uh, Magic the Gathering. Here's Thanks. the thing. I don't want to know what cards are coming next. You know, that gives me sure. an unfair advantage <laughs> over my enemies. I would rather be completely clueless all the time. Yeah. And it shows. It shows. Mm -hmm. it, it shows. Let's, what's that win rate you have? Because <laughs> mine's really good. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think... How many times... No, I don't want to ask. Never mind. I take it back. So we can attack from a different how many angle. Times have you, I was going to say, how many times have you won? And I don't want to know. Well, well, how hard do you think the game was? So the game, the base game, there's a base game and then getting to the uh, final boss. And then once you beat it with three characters, there's a final, final boss. But also you can level up any one of your runs with ascensions, which make it harder. Uh, so... Based on all of this, what did you guys think of the difficulty from the start to the end of your experience? The When I first started playing, it was really tough. But now that I've gotten the hang of it, I'd say I win, let's say, one out of four, one out of five runs, which I feel like is pretty reasonable. But I haven't gotten very far in the like Ascension stuff. So I don't know. I, I think it's fair. So I think the first time I played the game, it took me something like 15 or 20 tries. A lot of those were very short tries in the beginning. If you consider like, you know, I just died very quickly a few times to beat it the first time. Then after that, the next character, it probably took me like half that. And then again, like the next character, probably half that again. Because a lot of this is just knowing how the mechanics work, learning the keywords, and then knowing like the general strategies, like discarding all of your basic cards, or sorry, removing your basic cards from your deck what you don't to... upgrade all your strikes first <laughs> I, I don't think do I that in the beginning so oh, yeah. this is my only damage dealing um i would say it is a more difficult than average game in my opinion it's tough that's it's probably tough fair uh my so when i first started playing the game i beat each of the first three characters within the first five runs i did with each character and then i i haven't really i've literally played two runs on the watcher so i haven't evaluated that i think it's funny that nick is so good at this but he's so bad at shovel knight <laughs> it's, i mean i know they're very different games but yeah. it's like i'm much better this, at like strategy sorts of games i guess that's true you play a lot of those games but mm -hmm. for me like for me it took a really long time and i i did actually look up like a tier list because i just didn't get what i was i didn't understand the, that the cars i was picking were bad yeah mm -hmm. and it was when i finally looked at the tier list like it was like the, like my eyes were open and i was suddenly like wait a second like these parts of the mechanics are good 
and the ones that I was picking were like really bad, but it took me a really long time to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And now I I feel like I get it, but yeah. Now yeah, I will that was say the same way in the beginning. I do not win most of my runs now though, uh, because I the way I play this game is I try to go for massive like cool combos. Um, I don't really pick like you know. Oh, this Massive, is the best card. Cool um, combo. And I feel like the one of the things I don't like about this game is that it doesn't ever feel like I can just overpower my enemies. It feels like I am always constantly beholden to block. And that differs a lot from like my favorite game, Roguelike Binding of Isaac, where you can actually just win based on purely doing enough damage before you've taken enough damage this is well, not a game where that is possible it feels like to you me. know what you know why i know exactly why that's the case it's because every time you go into combat you start over like you have relics but you have to build up so the powers powers are things that go over time like that last throughout the whole battle you know if you're the defect you have to recharge your orbs mm-hmm. you have to build up poison stacks the game allows stops you from having that overpoweredness because you have like you can take damage i've had times when when this is the one thing that well you know you can have a deck that's full of block but if you have five attacks in your deck you could draw those five attacks all at once and then take damage yeah and there's nothing you can do about it it's literally the luck of the draw in that case and that happens sometimes in this game for sure there is RNG is in this game. Yeah. Yeah. There, and like, I, I think the the potions try to mitigate that a little bit because they allow you to, you know, get a card from a that you've already played and played for zero or draw three cards or whatever. So like sometimes you have a chance, but then I'm out of potions and then what do you have? So, yeah. But I think that's good because I think like Binding of Isaac is a fun game. And I think one of the mechanics that people really like is feeling like I can't die. I'm too powerful. Mm-hmm this game is just like you don't get that you don't get that yeah i feel like it comes to do that naturally once you figure out what's going on you can kind of get it once you get your big cool combo going but you Mm -hmm. don't it doesn't happen every run yeah i squeeze out more run wins than i do like big overwhelming run finishes and Mm -hmm. i would argue that to get to a build in this game where you are overpowered is much more knowledge based and difficult than in Binding of Isaac where you can just get lucky and get like four overpowered items and just be set for the whole run and not even know why you're overpowered that's, you know? yeah that's a good point um, at the same time from my own experience from playing the game the very first time I played Ironclad I won the very first time I played Silent I won Defect took me like 15 runs and then I didn't win again as Ironclad for like another 10 runs so mm-hmm. it was obviously just some luck of the draw that I right. won the very first time I played. I see. And I thought the difficulty was a lot easier because I'd, I probably just got a little lucky, but also, I, I don't know, I've, I've seen some other people play the game, so I probably some of it was more familiar to me. But playing it over and over again, I realized that it was harder than I initially took it to be. Yeah. You had, you had seen people play it before you played? Uh, people had... Uh, I saw it on the big unit... Uh, streaming uh device Mm -hmm. so i knew other people had played it now i'm not saying i knew every card or interaction or anything but i'd seen people Mm. play it before yeah i deliberately dumped my data banks of any people who had played it so that i would come in with a fresh mind i actually have never seen i'd never seen anyone play it before 
I thought you were going to say I've never seen the game and I was going to be really blown away. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Where are we? Who, oh my god. Is this a spaceship? I thought I was in my house. What? <laughs> I thought it was in my basement. <laughs> Jacob, had you oh, seen boy. it before? No, I didn't. And it's interesting because I, I follow a lot of people on Twitter who play the game a lot and I never like joined their streams or anything. Yeah. But a lot of people like... I was going to bring this up next, actually. People go for streaks where they yeah. mm. they try to play the same character over and over again until they lose and see how far they can go over and over again. Wow. Which is something I've I've done in Isaac. Yep, same. But I don't think I would even consider doing personally in this game. Huh. Because I don't feel like I'm good enough. And that also there's a, too much of a luck factor that I would be able to be successful at that. But some people like... Yeah, they just they'll they'll get like ten or fifteen win streaks in a row with the same character, and it's like that's that's crazy, insane to me. I was going that, to that alone proves that there is obviously a ton of skill and like a really high skill cap, and that yeah. the luck is not as big a factor as we may think, yeah, or I may think personally. Well, so. with a lot of luck games like this, it's not necessarily you getting lucky; it's that you have to know how to really mitigate all the luck. So you have to really know how to minimize the outcome of RNG. And it might mean you make moves that look worse on turn one, but pay off on 80% of cases by turn three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Always, like this card I would never yeah. take if I had this build, but because I don't have this build, this is the best card alternatively. And it's, it's like you have to yeah. have just so much game knowledge to, to right. pull those decisions yeah. off well. I also think that's partly why in card games in general, card draw is so important because it's a essentially a luck or an RNG mitigating factor. If you draw more, the likelihood you're getting the thing you need is going to be higher. Um, like, the ideal amount of card draw is your entire deck every single turn. Because it, once you've gone through your deck, you've gone through every card, and it's consistent every single turn, if you go through your whole hand every turn. Yeah, and, well, one thing we didn't talk about a lot is just the mechanics of a deck-building game. And that is, yeah, that is a deck building game mechanic that's super important and um one thing also is card dilution which is just like Mm. you can't have a deck that's super thick with three c's uh wow three because yeah it's a lot of c's one for each foot we're in space you need to have more and yeah because like if that was one of the things i did at the beginning was every time every time you win a battle you can pick a card to add to your deck and i'd just be like hmm which of these seems the best and then i'd add it. and it's like no you can't do that you only should add cards that you want not just any card because it's really hard to like i don't know if i i mean like you said ideally you can go through every card in your deck but like an easier way to accomplish that is just have a smaller number of cards in your deck so like only pick good cards remove the bad cards which are your strikes and defense and things like that um and i think that's pretty key to just any deck building game period other than dominion where you should just get a bunch of golds and then buy the provinces right but Uh, you don't if you don't have enough money to buy a gold you don't always buy that three or four cost card you're saying that building all those buying all the villages wasn't the right move i can play six cards in a turn to be fair villages are pretty good they're plus okay. one card, plus two action. Is that what it is? But they're not as good bureaucrat, as you think. Bureaucrat. <laughs> oh no. Mo, mo. Because <laughs> that's that's actually a good point, Jopin. Because that's a that's a classic example of a card that I think looks really good on paper, but is actually much more situational. Because 
for people that haven't played Dominion, oh God, this is such a bad tangent. <laughs> bad tangent. This is our Anyways, it's like, it's like you have two, it's like, oh, you get two more actions. So it's like, well, if I get a bunch of these, I can do a bunch of actions. Like, no, you don't want to do a bunch of actions. You want to take the right actions. You want to play the right cards, not every, like, if your cards are bad, you don't want to play them and you don't want them in your deck. So, and speaking s- of Slay the Spire, I would also <laughs> frequently... That was relevant to Slay the Spire. So, it's a roguelike card-building, deck-building game. Card-building? You build your own cards? You build your own cards. Using... God, that would be so cool. I actually think they have a custom mode. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But... <laughs> Go ahead. I also would skip taking cards very frequently. Because having a thin deck that has exactly the cards you want beautiful it's amazing every turn you're just doing exactly what you want is thin does thin have multiple eyes because i is the thinnest number letter (laughs) (laughs) it's a roman number did you just say i is the thinnest number no i said thinnest number letter which is is the loneliest number i is the thinnest number (laughs) can we not guess number shame here Oh, that mm. is crazy. Yeah. So forget I said anything. I was. I will say when ahead. I learned that mechanic of, I to me I did the same thing Mitchell did, which was pick every card. It's like, oh, this looks good. I'll put it in my deck. And once as soon as I stopped doing that, my win rate like tripled or quadrupled. Because that was the most important thing I did too. It's yeah. the most important mechanic in the game. Is just you get good cards and only good cards basically. So. Yeah. Um, although sometimes I feel like. All of the cards I get are shite, and then I end up halfway through. Uh, well, yeah, I end up losing because I've gone like almost all the way through Act One, and I've picked up like two cards, and then I'm fighting the boss with a bunch of strikes and defenses, and that's it. And I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> like I was holding out for nothing. That definitely can happen. I've had times because the first act, like we said, is very important for getting good cards, and then you like won't get any good cards, and you'll get to a elite. And then you're trying to beat an elite with just strikes, and it's like it's really. It doesn't. I mean, work. at that point, I use almost I use like every potion I've gotten, mm-hmm. and half the time I die. Yeah, especially against that demon. Hate the demon. Um, the, the elite demon. Yeah. Oh yeah. The the one that gets strength when you play block. Oh yeah. <laughs> because yeah. there's skill cards. Yeah. Every time you play a skill card, it like gains strength. That, so you're yeah. like. I don't want to take damage, so you play two block, and he does four more damage, so you're like, I've effectively blocked just six damage mm-hmm. by playing two, and, but, but it's been wor- in the, it'll be worse in the future when I have to play more block to block the more damage that he's gotten. I, I hate, hate that, that guy, <sighs> and I hate the, the shell guy. What is his name? It starts with an L. It's like Lodovicus or something oh, like that. Oh, is that the one who you know, starts asleep? Yeah, yeah. I, I despise. You can just lose He's a run. So if you don't hard. kill it fast enough, you just lose the run. Because mm-hmm. you lose so your strength and, like, what? Strength and block. Dexterity. Dexterity. Every, like, yeah. two or three turns. I oh abuse the shit out of the fact that he's asleep. I'll literally, like, hit and turn until I have the correct hand that I actually want to start with. See, yeah, that you works when you three. Have, it only works three times. Yeah. powers, that's, like, a good strategy, right? You mm-hmm. can set up all your powers... And then you're fine, but like if you're building, like if you're playing like the Ironclad with like not many powers that buff you, like I don't know, it just it's just a really hard fight. Yeah, it's tough. 
Yeah. Especially if, like, you don't get good cards. So then you get into this fight, and you're like, he does 18 damage. If I play three blocks, which are five block, I still take three damage, and that's before he... Anyways, then you're just dead. If you... I... Yeah. Mm -hmm. The... The leads can be really tough early, but you really need those relics. I, I'll be honest, I skip them as much as I can. Oh, yeah, I skip really? fights as much as I possibly can. Not fights, but elites, yeah, because I find bosses way easier than elites. Um, and bosses mm. always have a rest before them. So unless I feel like it's a Hail Mary or that every path would lead me to an elite, I frequently skip elites. Mm -hmm. I love so, a good question mark room. Oh yeah, I when, basically do yeah. all those. When you get to the first ascension, which is as far as I've gone, and so listeners, we're really good at this. Um, the the it it spawns more elites, and I don't I lose a lot of runs early. But if I can get to like if I get a couple elites early, it's so much easier to win the whole game because it's just yeah. like you now you have a couple like a, a couple good relics early, and because there are more of them, I get more. It's like almost exponential at that point. So I, I, do think I always that go my for the elite. Win rate on ascension levels is much worse, just because it's you can't avoid any elites. You have to. Yeah. You have to fight them, and sometimes you fight two or three in a row, like on the same that map. That can be really tough. And then it's. GG fellas. Mm -hmm. So we mentioned earlier, me and Mitchell at least, we look at some tier lists externally. Mm -hmm. I like to do it because it has breakdowns of the cards by class and then by act how valuable they are and also yeah. upgrade value. So to me that's like a really cool way to like gauge certain builds and gauge the value of cards. But the cool thing is that the, the website we use, or at least one of the ones I use, it it must pull some like API or something that is getting all of the the cards that people choose on ascension level 20 runs and it tells you at what point in the run they pick them up and oh so that's really interesting the cards that are really good at ascension 20 may not be the same cards that are really good at like ascension zero or one right i actually so. have a great okay this game so arpgs like diablo and path of exile they have a thing where certain builds are very good at crowds, dealing with crowds. And then there are certain builds that are really good at single target damage dealing with bosses because they're beefy, they have a lot of health. This game has the exact same thing. I feel like sometimes my builds are really, 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 really good at dealing with the just like the common encounters where there's like three-ish enemies more or less. But sometimes they suck at dealing with bosses and sometimes that's vice versa i can't deal with multiple enemies but i can deal with bosses really well so that's interesting because as you stack ascension levels you encounter more elites which is normally like one boss sometimes they summon things but like certain cards are going to be better for single target and then some cards are going to be better yeah. if there's many targets mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and i think that you know it part of winning in the game is that you have to be able to both deal with the single target but also deal with the crowds and that's a tough balance to find yeah i've definitely lost runs to the five imps that attack you because i have no aoe mm -hmm. and so i just i'm like wow i'm gonna eat like 40 damage a turn from these five demon imps because they're each doing like 10 damage Nothing and... like sitting there watching your character die to a bunch of brooms. <laughs> <laughs> Sticks and brooms from these tiny little imp yeah. monsters. Yeah. 
it's a little upsetting, but you know, it 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 stresses the importance of having a well-rounded deck, even though it's aren't luck of the draw. You still having that some AOE in your deck has always helped me not die to those mons. But do you think that like the speedrunners? Do you think they have well-rounded decks? Because I doubt it. Normally, speedrunners kind of abuse, uh, like the. So speedrunners are people who or... do like Ascension twenty runs. So I feel like those are going to be different yeah. groups of people. Mm-hmm. Speedrunners are okay with I don't I, I don't know. I feel like those may be are speedrunners doing Ascension twenty. Probably. You know what? I, mean, I have no clue. I feel like I, look, I, I feel, feel like the they categories. would be. Let's look it up on what do we call the internet in this made up future? Steam. Uh, hot air. Hot air. No, hot gas. That's what we hot call gas. the internet. Yeah, the hot gas, hot gas interface. 99. Oh, I probably shouldn't say. 99% hot gas. Um, what's this speedrun? It's like speedrun database or something. What do, do you guys know? You guys watch this stuff. I shouldn't be the one that should be telling Don't you this. Don't get so defensive, Mitchell. <laughs> Speed no run one has even said it. Speedruns.com. Speedrun.com. Speeds runs. <laughs> That's not com. what I said. I am fairly sure. We should do Celeste, by the way. Sorry, I just saw that on here. Yeah, we should. Um, I'm fairly sure that the main category uh, for speedrunning this game is non-seeded non-ascension you just go through to the heart uh as fast as you can and i think the world record is like five minutes exactly non-ascension yeah that's like the main i think that's the main category i know there's a lot of categories so they're seated runs which means that it's pretty much just mechanical of like how fast you can click on the certain spots um because it's going to be the same enemy same cards every time uh it looks like this is just the only requirement is that no seed it must be visible that you don't have a seed, and then the, you must start time when you press embark. So yeah. it must be they must play on the no ascension, I would assume, unless there's some benefit to playing on ascension. That huh. we don't know well, about. well, I mean, I think the benefit is that you can focus on single target because as you go up ascension levels, like there's more elites, which are generally speaking more single target focused enemies. I I just can't believe that outweighs the num- the time it takes to beat the elites because they're much tankier and they have well, more difficult right. mechanics you right. guys you didn't actually you should look at what so i don't how far have you gotten in ascensions jobin you're probably the one no. you're just at one yeah so let me just tell you a couple things that happen at two normal enemies are deadlier then elites and bosses are deadlier i'm assuming that means they do more damage then they it does things like you you don't heal as much you start out with less health they have more health. You have less potion slots. So it's not like like you could maybe Ascension 1, you could focus on more single target. Mm. And there are more elites for the rest of the game. But even that, like it still makes the normal enemies and the bosses and the like everything gets more difficult. Just general just, gameplay. Yeah. Shops are more costly. Mm. Double boss fight at the end of Act 3 is Ascension Oof. 20. Oh. That's, they also apparently change their movesets and abilities so they're more challenging, whatever challenging means in this context, because they already made them do more damage and be tougher. So, yeah, we didn't ever... We obviously aren't good enough to really talk about Ascension All right. stuff. Yeah, but it's kind of cool that they set up the game in a way that is accessible to plebeians like us, but also 
uh, replayable enough for people who have probably sunk hundreds and hundreds of hours into the game mm-hmm. and want to min max it. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds of hours. Yeah, I would really say that the uh, the UI um, is just such a big part of making that game like really really accessible to plebs. It's smooth, super smooth. smooth. Yeah. Um, is it on? I feel like this would make a good iOS game. It's not. Because I, I mean, Hearthstone is. Yeah. Sorry, not just uh, mobile game, not just iOS. Yeah. No. Hearthstone took a while to come to mobile though, and it yeah. runs really badly on phones. Well, you know what's funny about it though is at least when it first came out, it also requires like netcode though that this game wouldn't require, right? I desperately wanted to play this on my uh, um, organization issued tablet. Oh, that would have been awesome. I just like touching games with my my. It just seems like a missed hands. opportunity for any any uh, card game like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like the graphics are that crazy, right? It, it, I must be am on those almost positive that it will come at some point. I have no insider yeah. information, well, but I can I can give you some insider information. Whoa! Uh, so Close your they ears. they uh, apparently have been working on it. Um, but here's the thing that I think is kind of crazy. So. It it use it's built on this programming language called libg or framework called libgdx, which is actually a Java based framework. Java, sorry, what would this be called in the future? Uh, coffee. I don't know. Co- there's it's still Java in the future. Java thing. still exists. Sure, but it it's like some sort of eldritch god. Um, but uh. Anyways, libgdx is a it's one of these frameworks that's supposed to be like if you develop it once it works on Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS and Android all smart at once. Smart fridge. Smart fridge, sure. Dumb smart fridge. Smart toilet. Dumb toilet. Double toilet in the, in the bowl, you have to reach in. What if there was a double toilet that had a game of Battleship in between it so you could play Battleship while you're going to <laughs> the battle? Can you see the person's face? <laughs> yes. Of course. What are you talking about? And you can still hold hands with the other person. Um, yeah, so oh, I, I just hold find hands it... With them? No. Yeah. Sorry. Why I mean, else would you be doing it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, if you're... But I'm just surprised that they didn't already come out with a tablet version of this game because it is literally in a framework that had like that's that's i can't believe they haven't already done this right but it's like it is actually in a framework that should make it do you know how many people are on the dev team probably one guy i think it's two no No, i've only been in yeah one for each foot um, and apparently it it was released with only two playable characters, which is interesting. That that's huh. before it was that was early access, I should say. Okay. That was so it if three years late access, you know. God damn it! If I can go on a slight tangent for thirty seconds. No. There actually, are some Android apps that basically are Slay the Spire but worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried a couple of them. One of them, Dungeon Tales actually pretty decent but just way easier and you know not nearly as balanced or as interesting as slay the spire but it was still a good scratch the itch uh kind of game when i was trying something different but on my phone how do you think they balance this game oh what is the process like to balance a game like this because i this is one thing i was thinking about 
where it's like to play test this you've got to just play it over like every change you make you need to you could probably set it up so that you can see the change that you made somehow like add it into the you know you know what i mean like generate a seed that makes this card somewhere in the run but well so i think that this is the advantage one of the advantages of the digital card game is that you can statistically see what the best cards are you can break down you can look at like okay uh in one runs in like one in runs that are like successful this card is included this percentage of times versus these cards and you can like literally statistically break down like oh like the website that jacob was mentioning you can actually see which cards are best like they might have an api for that and that in that way you can balance these cards like literally are from you... a virtually competitive standpoint are you suggesting that the game space is developing its own sort of rudimentary consciousness in order to track the games that are being played that emanate from its center truly is that terrifying, what you're saying isn't it this is this we've got to send we've got to send a report back to the superiors if only Lord we were Nintendo. supposed to be on this ship. Lord Nintendo. Do you think I'll start paying me, or am I just going to be along for the ride? You're not supposed time? to be on this ship either, so... What do you mean, either? What? Are you supposed no, to be... we're supposed Wait, to be no. here. We're researchers on the big unit. I'm supposed to be here. What are you? I'm supposed... Who are you? <laughs> what, what am I? What are you? <laughs> Where am I? I'm definitely a human. A human would say something like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> you tell me, fellow human. <laughs> Beep boop. Meep <laughs> Oh boy. Hey everyone, this is Nick. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast program, uh, Astro Gaming. Uh, we enjoyed Slay the Spire so much. Um, if you couldn't tell by the recording, that uh, we decided to try doing a two-part episode for once. Um, normally, these things are just kind of self-contained, and we do them in one part, but we had so much fun talking about it, and we had so much to say about this wonderful game that we decided to do two parts. So um, next uh, time we come out with a podcast in two weeks, it will also be Slay the Spire, but it will be part two. This is going to end part one. Um, so I just want to let you know, and thank you for listening. Um as a note, you can email us at theastrogamingcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you have comments or questions, uh, you know, if you agree with what we're saying about the game or if you feel like you have a better take than, than us, uh, do let us know. Like, you know, shoot us an email. Um, it's prime time to get yourself in this podcast. So uh, definitely do that. Um, yeah that's it uh in two weeks there will be slay the spire part two uh thanks for listening to part one uh i'm gonna edit together our ending names so i've been nick blackley i've been jacob smith i'm mitchell smith and i've been joven azadi